Welcome to KPOV's Critical Conversations podcast, dedicated to featuring unique perspectives, challenging mundane thought, and questioning the norm. Listen at kpov.org, on YouTube, or on your favorite podcast app. We're going to start with you, Thomas. Why don't you tell us what is Mission 22 and briefly what you do as a recovery resiliency director? Yeah, um, so Mission 22 has been around for the last decade, uh, founded by Magnus Johnson and a few other of his, um, uh, you know, brothers in arms. And essentially what it is, is it's an organization, a nonprofit that helps with uh, PTS for veterans to combat PTS and, you know, prevent suicide. Uh, my role in Mission 22 as a Recovery and Resiliency Director is to oversee the entirety of our programs in order to provide that service of a holistic um, direction for veterans and their spouses to essentially move forward with their life and, you know, progress with PTS and prevent suicide. Yeah, it's it's quite a, an undertaking, and there are a lot of veterans in Central Oregon. Absolutely. Leo was our guest in 2022 when Paul asked, what in what ways are current veterans able to help new veterans? Leo stepped up and told us about Deschutes County Veterans Intervention Strategies Program, which was a very important show. Let us tell you, let us tell about your work as mentor for VIS. Have at her, Leo. Okay, great. So the VIS program was started maybe two years ago, and it was uh, the idea was, uh, you know, veterans who would get involved with the legal system because of their uh, potential exposure to PTSD and that the county would offer a second chance, a way to plead out of a legal situation that so that they could uh, have their lives move on rather than have to deal with all those issues on top of, uh, you know, having been a veteran. And so it was an idea that has grown and grown. We now have uh, a court and uh, you know, veterans who come in ag- agree to go through the counseling and, uh, and uh, help themselves and then get some consideration from the legal system and get a chance, like a new lease on life. So, so I had gone through uh, therapy myself. I'm 76 years old, maybe four or five years ago, I found out I had been in denial about my own PTSD that went back to Vietnam in 1968. So after doing the therapy, uh, we were developing this program, and they asked if I would be uh, basically a mentor and work with younger guys. Just nothing special, just having coffee and just talking and being part of the program to help people get a second lease on life. And so it's been very rewarding to uh, just basically offer a helping hand and a bit bit of a payback from my own uh, positive experience. Uh, yeah, Leo, I got a. I, I have a question. Uh, it was mentioned um, somewhere that uh, there's a. Um, oh, what is the uh, legal term for it? Um, a diversion is that it? Uh, um, program or something uh, that this allows the court to um, basically um, uh, find a workaround for a um, uh, a criminal conviction. Yeah, basically yeah, going yeah. going to prison is not an answer to somebody who may have made a mistake may have gotten involved in something because of having uh, tr- you know, the effects of trauma from combat. Uh-huh. Uh, not, so give them a second chance, basically. Uh, how does that work? Uh, how does that work through the court? Uh, Maybe Thomas could... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Explain. Yeah, so <clears throat> the VIS has actually uh, progressed pretty rapidly 
with my experience uh, within the VIS. And um, originally, it would just be um, the DA standing up on your behalf, allowing you to get this chance at a program called the VIS, which your attorney and the DA would kind of, you know, intertwine the idea. And if you're on board, they'll allow you. And you have to make a, um, you know, you're, you're pretty much just making a commitment to this program. And it's, it's a year long to a year and three months. And uh, if you work outside of the parameters that you agree to, then you could essentially get kicked out. And so there are court systems involved with it where you have to meet with a judge assigned to the VIS program every other month to essentially see how your progress is uh-huh. going. Yeah. So, um, oh, go ahead, Jim. You no, know, I was just going to say it, 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 it sounds like a, it's um, – it's allowing a second chance due to the circumstances that the person is in due to their service to the country and the and the damage that that's done to their it could have done to their psyche and et cetera. So it seems very, very um, just and fair to, to do this sort of thing. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, um, veterans and their families were never given the opportunity or tools or understanding of what the repercussions of combat or military life would have on their impact on their life uh, impact wise down the road and that kind of leads veterans and their families here right okay See, because think, because I, oh i'm sorry i was going to say i think that the thing thomas said it's really important is uh you go to combat it's uh the experience of combat is traumatic hmm. and the way the system works is you do your time, you get discharged, they basically put you on the street. And yep. it seems to me at this point, with all the data we have and science we have, it's just totally inadequate to just say, thanks a lot, here's your two weeks, and get the hell out, and then leave somebody alone. I've heard guys say, you know, I don't understand why this is happening to me. I was such a good soldier. And there's two different worlds. Yep. And so, so then why end up compounding that problem rather than offering somebody a way to get some some uh, awareness of what, and that was true in my case, I found out I had PTSD when I was 70 years old and then I could look back over my life and I could see how my behavior was driven by my experience in Vietnam in 68. I might have lived a different life if I had been aware. That's why it's so great for young guys like Thomas to get a chance to get that awareness so you don't have to do it the hard way. There's an easier way to live your life than to be always, in my case, always on edge or uh, you know, pushing myself in ways. Uh, and, and the key to PTSD that I found out was uh, you deny uncomfortable feelings. In my case, shame, guilt, remorse. You push them underground, but they don't go away and they show up. And then to let all that go and just release all that and say, you know, and, and treat yourself well and forgive yourself for what you did that you're 19 years old. How the hell did you, how could you possibly know? So I think it's making people aware of why they may have done something at work or that they wouldn't ordinarily do to help guys get a second chance so yeah. it's a great program yeah at 19 also i uh, uh, uh you weren't even uh old enough to vote or uh, uh at one time i don't know about your personal experience but i know that's true that uh, uh um they uh, people that were drafted uh were too young in some cases to vote uh you know to buy a beer or anything else too yeah. so, so yeah. i think for the for us coming on for me it's like there are people out there who loved ones, fathers, wives, sisters, whatever, who may not appreciate the fact that their loved one, if he was in combat, did things and saw things that are going to affect their their mental health. Mm -hmm. And they need to be, our culture is naive. It's uh, 
thank you for your service without really examining what exactly did these guys have to do, people have to mm -hmm. do, men and women. Yeah. And so anybody that's got any doubt at all should encourage their loved ones to, to get some kind of, uh, just the awareness and then the release and then the letting go and accepting. In my case, I had a hard time accepting what I had done. Uh -huh. I'd like so, to I'd like to circle back to one thing because I'm I'm sitting in here with three veterans and I'm the only non-veteran and I'm astounded that there is not some kind of mustering out program and that's been a, a key part of discussion in most of the groups that I've been in that have veterans within is they don't prepare you for getting on the outside. Absolutely not. Good. No, that's correct. And you know. Um, <clears throat> I was discharged in 2017, and six months prior to that, I was actively engaged in combat in Syria um, when President Trump at the time was elected. Um, and essentially, you're supposed to have a cool-down period. We really didn't get a cool-down period. And if you're EAS, your discharge date is coming up, you're getting out regardless. And so uh, in that process of you being discharged from the military, in my experience, and this was in the Marine Corps, um, all they do is essentially lay out what your job type, your MOS in the Marine Corps, is the equivalent in a civilian sector. And as an infantryman, all I saw on paper was I could be a cop. And so uh, I'm just like, yeah, that's probably not the route I want to go. And there was no intervention or classes to prevent the onset of PTS arising mm -hmm. or anything um, impactful in a negative way right. um, afterwards. Yeah, and uh, you know, and the great thing about you know Tom, what Thomas is doing is there's a lot of other young guys in the program. It's all ages, anybody. I mean, I've, but to see people come together, not like in a VFW having a beer, but around a group that's helping each other mm -hmm. and supportive, is a totally different phenomenon than what I grew up with when it was go to the VFW and have the beers and, and glorify war stories, which is only makes it worse because it. You have to be able to reach the point where you go, you know, I can let go, I can accept, release, and, um, and so this is why this program, and it doesn't go on across the country, but it's uh, the beginning, but I think it's a brilliant idea to acknowledge what the country owes, in this case the county owes its veterans in terms of that transition, because there isn't, you know, we, we talked a lot about this should be, they're separate computer systems, but when you get out of the military, you should be automatically, it's my plugged into the VA, and you should get a phone call from somebody that says, hi, Leo, hi, Thomas, uh, this is uh, Bill, congratulations, and uh, we're going to meet, and we're going to explain to you your benefits, we're going we're, we're to go through what you're entitled to, and we're going to make that process simple, okay? Here in town, the Veteran Service Office, the VSO, which my personal experience, that if you want to file a claim, you have to go, that's provided by Deschutes County, to help you process your claim with the VA because it's utterly complex and complicated and user unfriendly. So I myself personally, I filed a PTSD claim 50 years after my event. I needed help, and when I looked at the process, the guy told me, don't get discouraged and quit, just keep working on it because it's so convoluted and so complicated that they make you, in my case, Go back and detail specifically what things happened to you. 50, you have to relive every single aspect to get compensation for what you're into. Seems to me inhuman. So yeah, if you had to muster out of the military, muster into the VA, and have a concierge service that would 
work you through the educational aspects, the medical, the physical. That w- we're a long ways away from that, but that would be that's the way it should be. So thanks. That's a great point you raised. Well, I think it leads right back to that statement from that movie. What we have here is a failure to communicate. A failure to communicate. And you know, it's really complicated. The the injury and the compensation and the treatment is such a uh, complex, ex- enormous problem that nobody, I think, really wants to tackle it. It's like you just sort of piecemeal it. So this VIS program is a, a local attempt working with the vet center. And I would encourage anybody that has a veteran of any step, you know, to get him into the vet center and talk to somebody. And I remember I had one of the guys that works the front desk. He says he sees every so often, you'll see somebody come into the door that's a loved one with them as a veteran and they break away. And they don't want to come in the door because they don't want to get the therapy. And so, this, this VIS program, in a way, sort of forces people into the therapy, which mm-hmm. is kind of paradoxical, mm-hmm. but it ends up being a great benefit. To, to me personally, I've made great, several great relationships with, with young men, and it's been really wonderful, and it feels good to just uh, offer a helping hand. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I'm glad to see that there's a young man like Thomas involved in this, uh, because physically you're a bit imposing, you're not a small guy. And I think that you probably get some level of respect based on your previous experience. And I think your experience is probably really important to others' experience, other veterans. Yeah, um, I think uh, when it comes to Mission 22 and being able to kind of be down in the weeds when speaking with veterans that are reaching out um, looking for a source of help um, or just some, some sort of provided, um, you know, relief from what they've been dealing with, I'm able to communicate in such a way that is relatable. And I think sharing my own two, two experience with them and allowing them to know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel and that there is something to look forward to, even though you're going through your tribulations and turmoil, um, I think it's a powerful use of my ability to give back to not just the community, but like veterans alike. Very cool. Well you said. Know, and, and like Leo has pointed out before, uh, you know, if you have a veteran in your family and he, he or she is struggling, you need to s- intercede for them. Correct, Leo? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's like I found giving advice to my children doesn't work really well, but encouraging them maybe to get in touch with someone like Thomas in Mission 22, somebody they can trust, and then start the process that way, baby steps, if you can get somebody in and get them taught. You know, there's a denial, and there's two categories, there's older vets and there's younger vets, and uh, different wars, um, you know, uh, it's a, it's a it, it, but there's the universality of being a veteran, and if you can just get somebody in talking, and then little by little, it took me two months of therapy to admit that I had PTSD. And I went, oh yeah, you know, so now I can sort of accept the reality of what happened after suppressing it for 50 years. And for older veterans, it's the Vietnam era, it's, it's a lot to basically accept the fact of the truth of, the, of what that was and, uh, and let it go. So that even though you might be 75 years old, you can still go forward and heal. The healing, I think, is the key thing. So however you can get somebody in 
on just a baby step to meet with somebody. Just just talk to them for a half an hour and then let that build rather than, you know, going for the home run. And I think that would that's where the Vet Center mm-hmm. over here comes in and Thomas's pro- program. There's a lot of programs out there. That first step is, you know, getting somebody to uh, get started doing it. Would yeah. you agree, Thomas? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, just to chime in on that, um, it really boils down to the willingness in the self-awareness of knowing that you need help and reaching out and making sure that you, you know, you feel comfortable reaching out. So be be vulnerable, find help, express it to your family members, your friends, your community, and you'll find a helping hand. Yeah, it, it, I, I think it's really difficult because so much of the time in our country, we're taught to be as independent as possible. And that's really kind of a fallacy. No, absolutely. Um, Especially with a military background, you're supposed to be, you know, be all you can be, you know, in the Marine Corps, the few, the proud, the Marines, like you're supposed to be the alpha male. And, you know, that stigma is sticking with your identity when you transition because you don't know how to transition out of that identity. And so, you know, there's a time and place for the warrior, but, you know, you're back home. You can be vulnerable. You can be the family man you need to be now. It's it's, it's time to let, you know, that service member outfit hang up a little bit and be that family man well in in because we've only got a few more minutes let's give you a chance to to both make a closing statement i think all of what you've had to say is really important uh which of you would like to go first with your final statement yeah i I can chime in um i'll keep it brief but i think veterans and the issues that veterans and their families are dealing with is um exceeding at a rapid rate that America hasn't addressed. And I think we, as counterparts to our veterans, need to do our part in giving back to them and helping them through this transition uh, because it hasn't been um, as sought out as I believe it should be. And I think it's you know on us as you know um, being as neighborly possible and being as loving as a community to give back to those that have given for us. Thank you for this service. Yes, absolutely. You know, for me, it would be uh, acceptance of what you went through, awareness of how it may have adversely affected you, and uh, go for the healing, baby steps to the healing, and uh, just go forward positively, looking for release, let that go, and just start healing. You both exhibit true courage, and I want to thank you for being on the show today, and we'll hope that all the veterans that are affected get some help. Thank you. Thank you for listening to KPOV's Critical Conversations podcast. To hear weekly interviews on important topics, please visit kpov.org slash critical conversations and follow KPOV High Desert Community Radio on Facebook, YouTube, and your favorite podcast app.